Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And I am your host, Bill Sickens. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Keep sending us your questions and comments. This is something that really works for us being able to present to you what you want to hear. Phone number for that is 503-766-6264. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. UserfriendlyNation.com is our website. Any of those locations are a good place to go and send us your questions, your comments, story ideas, anything like that. User-Friendly Media Group is proud to support Toys for Tots. Please bring your new, unwrapped gift to the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce located at 16273 Southwest Railroad Street, Sherwood, Oregon during normal business hours. Toys for Tots is sponsored by the U.S. Marine Corps. All gifts will go to children locally. For more information or a local drop-off location, please visit toysfortots.org. So what's in the news? Space Station crew takes cover as Russia blows up a satellite, creating debris hazards. So this is something we've talked about, and in the past is trying to avoid this kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. where you get small debris in orbit, and at the speed and everything else, it breaks or destroys other things that that are there, like satellites, or in this case, the space station. Mm -hmm. And uh, they did lock everybody down into pods uh, for a while to make sure that, you know, nothing real bad happened or that they could leave if it did. The debris cluster orbited every 90 minutes. Oh, jeez. And, Uh uh, you know, by the third pass, it had dissipated enough that they were okay. Uh, they were also ordered to seal off hatches to several modules of the space station for the time being. So we'll see how long that stays. Rush just downplayed this by saying that it's uh, cleared up and it was never going to be a problem, essentially. I'm paraphrasing, but that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. So, uh, drink some vodka. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, uh, okay. you know, the uh, U.S. Secretary of State condemned the missile test as reckless and irresponsible. And, Spokesman John Kirby at the Pentagon said it showed the need to firmly establish norms of behavior in space. And again, this is something that they are very concerned about, that eventually something will happen, that it causes this cascade effect, and then starts destroying satellites and everything else. And there's a lot of junk in space right now. There's actually companies out there that are saying their business model on trying to clean this up to some way. And there's some very innovative ideas. But creating something more intentionally like that is not something we want. Intel's plan to increase chip production using a Chinese factory was discouraged by the U.S. government. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think it's having infrastructure available, but it's definitely... Uh, Do I need to hold up the sarcasm sign? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we, we don't produce anywhere near what we need to and all this stuff domestically. And I know a while back I worked for Intel, so this is a specific example. And they had at that time, I don't know where they're at with it now, but at the time they had chip manufacturing domestically. Uh, one of the plants in Oregon being an example of that that was being refitted for a smaller nanometer processor that they were doing at the time. And at the end of the day, it seems like, especially with all that's going on right now with supply chain disruptions and backup at the ports and everything else, and the fact that things are just not available, that having some of this a little closer to home would be a really good idea, not just for that, but also for purposes of national security. And I think that we're going to hopefully see some transition to this in the future. 
The supply chain stuff this year has gotten so bad that they're actually now starting to fly things in. A little mm-hmm. off topic, but things like Beanie Babies and other stuff just to be able to have them. Which, of course, that runs the prices of everything up. So it, it's a mess. Well, you know, if you have a plant here in the United States, you don't have to worry about it sitting in a boat off the coast of uh, L.A. Right, exactly. And that's <laughs> that's where we're going with this. You know, it's just a situation that it would solve a lot of these problems. Crypto nerds are trying to buy the U.S. Constitution. Tell us more about that. Okay, so this isn't National Treasure 3? No. <laughs> it, could be, it could be a good plot for it, but no, this is actual real life. So there's 13 copies of the original Constitution that are known to exist from the original uh, printing of 500. And one of them is going up for sale. It's expected to fetch between 15 million and 20 million. And what this is, is a group of uh, people getting together that want (laughs) to pool funds to try and buy this. They were previously into cryptocurrency and probably still are, I would imagine but wanted to check out something else that they could do with it, and this is what they have come up with. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see what what they're going to do and what they'll do with it if they win it, too, because it wouldn't be one person it would go to. It would be a group that actually owns the document. (laughs) Maybe they'll each have it for a week. Yeah, Yeah, that's not going to cause any problems. It's supposed to be at my house. No, at my house. You don't have have fire insurance, you know? Can you imagine? Mm. (laughs) So the group is called Constitution DAO. Uh, they have a website, of course, so does everybody. And the group has raised about $3 million in Ethereum, crypto coin, okay. and is continuing to put their resources together. Hmm. So we'll have to follow up know. on that when the auction happens. Yeah. I know. It sounds like it'd be interesting. It just Okay. <laughs> so I guess that's one All way right. to deal with stuff anyway. Yeah. All right, we've got a new startup that wants to throw satellites into orbit with a giant centrifuge. Yeah, this was a little, I thought this was an April Fool's topic, but it is. So did I. You know? That's why I wanted to share it. This is great. The company that's doing this is called Spin Launch. (laughs) Uh And uh, there's a picture in the press release of their device, which is this giant round thing with a spout on the top. Mm -hmm. And they're literally trying to accelerate it to small satellites and things that this would work to. And then be able to launch it using this technique into orbit. I, and, I guess uh, I would wonder how would you get things to the correct orbit or the correct position by just tossing it up there? Yeah, well, there's a, I think there's a lot of logistics that would have to be worked out on this for it to actually work right. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But the item is made up of a giant vacuum chamber and a rotating hypersonic tether. Um. So, I mean, if it did work, because it takes a lot of expense and energy and whatnot to put things into orbit, so this is an interesting method to go about doing it. Stuff like this has actually been successful in the past, by the way. This is not really that new. It's new for satellites, but even during World War II, they were launching stuff into low-Earth orbit using techniques like this. What kind of stuff were they throwing up in the orbit? At that time, it was weapons and different things of that nature. And uh, there's a lot of detail, actually, to that online. It's very interesting. Some of the machines that they were using to do this actually do still exist to this day. They're not used anymore, but they're uh, still out there. So it's uh, really? definitely wow. something that's, uh, you know, been there. You know, I yeah, they didn't ever talk about any of this stuff in no, they history didn't. class. So it's, uh, I, you know, I, I'm just thinking there's going to be a lot of innovative ideas out there. 
and it's the you know it's necessity of invention and all of that, and I think that's where these things come from. And it's it just uh, you know it's just interesting to see if something like this could actually work, and if it does, if it would be something that's better that costs less for certain things. I mean, it's not going to work for everything, but um, you know we'll have to see what happens with it. And one other thing I wanted to bring up today, you had mentioned this to me when we were talking before we started recording, is this whole thing of fake emails trying to goad children into talking to who they think is Santa Claus to steal their ideas. What's yeah. going on with that? Well, it's it's it, an app or a chat system for like, you know, designed to target children. You know, ooh, chat with Santa, text with Santa. And the idea behind it was, you know, to get more personal information. And because they're children, they're not going to have the same concept. Oh, well, I shouldn't tell Santa that. Yeah. Like, right. So the idea there is, you know, we're going to have little kids talking about who knows what. With yeah, I somebody could see where that could get really dangerous, too. It's identity yeah. theft, but, you know, there's other, oh, wow. There's other creepy people yeah. out there that are even worse. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, that that kind of thing. Be so careful this year. We're going to be talking a little later in the show about scams, and the FBI has actually published a list of things to watch out for this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Most of it's the same as the past, but there's some new you know, quirks, I guess, to put it mildly. Yeah, like like this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the first I've heard of this, and, yeah. and just be careful. It's so important to know what your kids are doing with their devices and online, you know. Not that it hasn't been before, but this is just something that kind of creeped me out when I heard about it. I want to make sure that everybody's aware of it and kind of watches for these things to make sure something really bad doesn't happen. It's like that television commercial where the kid's saying, is it normal to provide my social security number to buy socks? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, and yeah, just be careful out there. So, all right, well, we've got a great show coming up for you this week, and we're going to start that when we get back from the break. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a guest with us this week, Larry Sharp. Larry, welcome to the show. Bill, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, that's boring. You don't want that, do you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I am someone who has seen entrepreneurship as a way for people to grow, as a way to get around the system, as a way to give people a second chance. And man, technology is the way for the entrepreneur to get around the big boys usually. Sometimes that's not true, but man, it is often. And with me running for office in the past, being sometimes a political activist, I have very often talked about we have to create a playing field where the little guy can knock down the Goliaths, not just trying to knock down Goliaths because you knock down one Goliath, another one pops up creating a world where the little guys can pop up and a whole bunch of Davids can knock down a bunch of Goliaths. So I think that's kind of who I am when it comes to um, caring about entrepreneurship and technology. And you know, that is one big thing about the internet that it allows everybody access and has really changed things over the years. Now, I know we're going to talk a little bit about social media and the regulations that go along with that. And the internet has long since been a place without a lot of regulation, but um, I think we're heading a little bit more in that direction. So tell us a little bit about social media and the related regulations. 
Yeah, the issue that we have with social media is, as as most great technologies are, and internet and social media are great technologies, is that they're a double-edged sword, right? You you have the idea that, hey, now more people can say stuff. That's wonderful. But then you have a, a problem where there's so much stuff out there that people now are overwhelmed. So you have one or two types of people. One, someone who will go down a deep, dark rabbit hole and literally lose their entire weekend and forget to shower because they're so busy going down a deep hole watching YouTube videos and Facebook videos and and Twitter and going down every possible hole they can go down. Or the reverse, someone was like, this is just too much, I'm gonna check out. And whatever my talking head tells me is what I'm gonna believe. So the problem is those two, right? And this has been our issue. When you have those two, now what winds up happening? Well. The big conglomerates have to figure out how to make money. I'm not mad at them for making money. I like making money. I hope everybody makes money. But they've decided that how do I make money is by keeping eyeballs. And so how do you keep eyeballs in a world that's full of information? By curating it. Curating the information is the key. The question is, how do you curate it? Well, you curate it by giving people exactly what they want. Well, if you give people exactly what they want, that doesn't allow people to see other stuff. They keep saying the, seeing the same stuff. When that begins to happen, you bring people to go down rabbit holes or to actually check out. So I think that's been one of our biggest issues. And the regulations were put in to support the little guy. And well, I'm sorry, theoretically, to support the little guy. Right. And I think that's a good idea. But in reality now, you're finding it to where the conglomerates are controlling everything. And, you know, when you get into regulation, you kind of have a fine line. You have to have enough to make it work properly and be workable and, and the reality be there. You're not getting fake news and all this other stuff. But on the same token, you don't want to go too far on that because then you start, as you say, locking out the little guy. So how is that being handled? But no, no, I think you want to allow for fake news. Okay. And I know that may sound like counterintuitive, but here's the problem. Who decides what's fake? Yeah, and that's That's true. why that's I actually think, very true. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. want to allow for fake news. And the problem is we're not. We're actually not. And the re- and what I mean by that is the system is set up so that you just get your news. And to you, none of your news is fake news. Your news is the real news. Right. It's the other guy's news that's the fake news. So we do want to allow for fake news. That's important. But what we also want to allow for is transparency. And that's what we don't have. We don't have transparency in who's giving the news. We don't have transparency in who's paying for the news. We don't have transparency on what else is out there. That's the issue is transparency, not the not the news itself. You know, and that's a very interesting thing you bring up is the who's paying for the news. And this is a question yes. we get from our listeners all the time because the idea, at least there is some idea that the news is unbiased. And I, I've talked about the fact that, well, you have sponsors. And you want to mm-hmm. sell to those sponsors, and you don't want to necessarily give news that's going to turn off your audience. So, how do you deal with something like that? Because you do have these two kind of things that are controlling and would definitely regulate what's being heard. Yes. And I think what you do is I, I get it. You want to have a niche market so that you know who to sell to. That makes total sense. Any marketer would agree with that, right? So, if I can get my niche market in, I can sell to them. But imagine if instead of having just one niche market, you actually could have on any given channel or station or whatever, many different markets together, but you could still make money based upon the individual market. My example is Netflix. Netflix gets lots of people to give it money. 
but you can go on Netflix and watch the most cheesiest rom-com ever and the biggest, bloodiest action movie ever and some foreign movie that you enjoy and some fantasy movie. You can watch all different types of things, but they know which where you fit and they can still sell to you in a way that gives you something. The problem is our old model is still everyone who watches this channel must be X. Everyone who watches this channel must be Y. The model has to change. And I think the Hulus and the Netflixes and the Disney Plus of the world are showing that's the appropriate model where you can still make money, but still give people other options to see other things. And more importantly, to know other things are out there. The problem is when I believe that only my view is out there, the other view becomes crazy. The other view becomes nutty. The other view becomes inhuman. I can, I can dehumanize them or it. It's not real. It's dumb. It's fake news. But if I see it in my feed every once in a while, I go, oh, maybe I'll click on that. And at least, even if I disagree, there's still people and we can have a conversation. One thing that has happened since we've gotten on the internet from original media is the ability to do targeted advertising. So yes. what you're talking about there is you would turn on the TV and the advertising that went out went out to everybody. Now the ability is there to be able to lock that down and present to specific audience, kind of like what you're talking about. Do you think this yep. is a good thing or a bad thing? And does it affect the news that you see? It does. And it's never going away. It's irrelevant if it's a good or a bad thing. It's never going away. You're never going to get people to not want to target their ads, right? We want it. Marketing is all about efficiency. That's what it's about. Operations is about effectiveness. Marketing is about efficiency. That's what it's about. They're always going to want to do that. All I'm saying is show them a better market. Show them a way to where the big group can make multiple. If you go to most like new cable news channels, there's really only one group of people you can sell to. But again, I'll go back to the Netflix, the Hulus of the world, right? HBO Max, whatever. There's lots of people who are on all of those platforms. That's the motto of the future. And I think it is happening. The old school is going away. Groups like Facebook and YouTube, they have to learn. Stop pushing people away. And they are. And what's happening? Other groups are popping up, right? You push X group away, they start their own thing. Well, their thing isn't as popular as YouTube or as popular as Google. Yeah, that's true. But in their own world, it is. And now you're losing them as potential customers. Create a home for even the people who you think are fake you'll have a better outcome. You know, that totally makes sense. Larry, that's our time. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. If you guys want anything more about me, please check out my podcast, The Sharp Way, or you can check me out at LarrySharp.com. Okay, that's LarrySharp.com, and we'll have that out on our social media at One User Friendly. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Got some interesting things. Holidays are coming up, and a lot of us are looking for unique gifts. And if there is a gamer in your life, there might be something here. Tell us a little bit about D&D miniatures and what you figured out with being able to order online. Well, uh, we've always been able to like shop online, but this is slightly different because you're actually designing the figure. Okay. Yeah, so it's allowing customization beyond what was normally a traditional thing where you had to buy a figure and get out the paint and the magnifying glass. And hopefully you had some skill 
enough to be able to do this. And sometimes the characters ended up not looking as pretty as you hoped. <laughs> so just a, just a really quick description here for anyone that doesn't know. In Dungeons and & Dragons and most tabletop role-playing games, you have figures that represent the character you're playing. So what we're talking about is this is like a little 3D thing. They're usually an inch or two tall. And it is uh, based on what you have put together as a character. So you get them, you paint them, and all that kind of stuff. But this is a way to actually design them. So tell us about what the process is for designing a character online. Okay, well, you you go. there's a, a couple of different websites. One of them is heroforge.com. Okay. An- another one is anvil, A-N-V-L dot C-O. Okay. And the third one that I've discovered is eldritch-foundry.com. And basically, you start with a 3D model. So it's basically you're looking at a, a shape that you can spin around in all directions, make bigger or smaller. You can change what it's uh, the, the race of your character, uh, male or female. And they have like a dozen different races. So you got orcs and ogres and dragonborn and tieflings and humans and elves and half elves and half orcs and uh, cat folk, uh, dog folk. Uh, minotaurs and fawns and just basically anything you can pretty much anything you can think of it's really quite cool yes. i mean um i i've seen i've peeked over jeremy's shoulder you know a couple of um i don't know it was like over like nine months ago and uh, on this hero forge thing and i thought and yeah that's that's cool you know whatever and then just the other day i was peeking over his shoulder and wow um they've changed the website it got like, better. It, it's amazing. And not only um, can you uh, just have the character different kinds, you know, different hair length, different clothing, you know, different armor per your character's needs, different weapons. But now you can also paint it yeah, or I mean, have it printed out in color. I think it's printed in color. It's either okay. printed in color or they paint it for you. But they've got a couple of different like pre-designed color schemes. So I'm pretty sure it prints in a specific color, but that was kind of cool. I haven't I haven't seen that before. Right. But you know, you're starting with a miniature. You can, um, if you're doing like a, a an orc or a minotaur, you can make them bigger. Right. Okay. So so instead of the tiny one inch figure, you can have yours like an inch and a half or two inches tall. So you can be gigantic. Um, you know, they've got gnomes. He's basically you're you're picking every every aspect of what's on your character, what it's in its hands, what's on its belt, what's on its back, pouches. The, um, you can change the style oh, of base. You can also change the expression on the face, which that's I thought cool. was amusing. Yeah, you know, so, it could be surprised. It could look like anger. You know, it could be like, oh, hi there. You know, that kind of <laughs> cheesy, you know, hi, hi there smile. And um, and I just thought it was really cool because. Not everyone is good at painting things. And mm-hmm. then on top of it, to have such a nice variety of choices to customize, I, I thought that was really neat. Yeah. And th- the way they work is you either you can have them print it and ship it to you, or you can buy the 3D model and print it yourself. Okay. So if you have a 3D printer, you could actually make it on your own. How much do these cost? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it starts at around 20 bucks and goes up from there, depending on how you what you have it printed in. If it's in color or if you're just going to buy it, it's a lot cheaper. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So like anything else, it seems like that would just vary on what you're doing. But I, I mm-hmm. can see where you're coming from with this because, yeah, I don't paint. Yeah. And, um, uh, you, you know, even though some people will get this, even though I seem to have the ability, uh, you know, with certain products, you don't have to have talent. 
but in my <laughs> case, I really prove that sometimes in painting anything. Uh, I can deal with the wall, but that's about, about it for me. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing is, is I actually can paint, and I have some pictures that are really nice, but the miniatures are hard. You know, yeah. and I'm getting older, and I'm like, I don't know if I can get a magnifying glass. Well, that's why I, that's why I bought those five power magnifying lenses and the quadruple zero but, brushes. But this opens the door for people who aren't painters at all. It's right. and I I'm really amazed. I think that the technology has gotten great, and you know, we've got different varieties of people. No, yeah, that's it's cool. fun. That's cool. Check it out. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0, and the holidays are upon us, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, and just uh, coming right up here next week. And then, uh, you know, we've talked about the idea that hopefully by now you've already started shopping for your holiday presents. Uh, there are headlines. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and there are lots of other people out there lurking, too. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> And I was going to say, if you haven't by now, it's getting to a point where it's going to be too late. I had to ship a package this week, and they're already a week extra now, and we haven't gone into the holiday shipping yet. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's just <laughs> it's just amazing to see where they're at. And with that also comes the holiday scams. And uh, this has been progressively becoming a big deal every year after year, a bigger deal. And there's no difference for this year. Everybody that's out there trying to steal your money and trying to find up new and unique ways to do it. So there's a couple of things to take into consideration. The FBI has published a list this year of what they're calling tips to avoid holiday scams. Really? Yep. And it's a wow. big, long thing. First one is practice good cybersecurity hygiene. <laughs> I like the hygiene word in there. Yes. That, that makes it sound better. And that it sounds like, like, like you can just get out that bottle of Lysol or whatever, Clorox, and just... <laughs> yes, and, and that's, <laughs> you know, what it comes down to. I think we also have to have new words for technology every so often because the old ones are out of date. But anyway, what this is referring to is the idea of don't click any suspicious links or attachments and emails on websites, on social media, and so on. And this is something that we've definitely talked about before, albeit not under this name. But it's the idea that if you get an email from somewhere and you don't know where it came from, don't click on any links in it. So this is mm -hmm. a lot of things. One of the more common scams with this is we've processed your order at Amazon or whatever for, you know, $300 and it'll be there. And if you want to cancel it, click here. Well, of course, I didn't order something for that price. So you click on it and it a lot of times takes you to a place that looks just like the real site where it takes your personal information or, you know, something along those, those nature. So anything and like that, go ahead. They're still hand, they're still sending these out because my mom asked something about, well, there was something and I go, well, did you order something? No. Okay. Well then it's, 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 it's nonsense. Yeah. It seems are stuff. definitely targeted. Yeah, uh, very much with these type of things. But, but you know, it's not just the seniors. Uh, I heard a story, and I don't know if it's on this list, about children and Santa Claus. Right, right. Where there were these scams to, uh, you know, 
oh, click here and Santa will talk to you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, chat, <laughs> chat or text Santa and stuff like Just that. Just creepy stuff yeah, like that. I was going to say, that sounds, that sounds creepy. Across the board, you know, anything like that that you get that seems like it might be out of whack, you definitely want to consider it. And if you want to check something out, like say you did get something from Amazon or one of the scams you just talked about, don't use a link in the email. Go to the actual website of whoever it purports to be, get the phone number from that website, and check it out from that thing. Because the another thing that happens with this, too, is there might be a phone number in the email, and you call that number, and they're going to try to do the same thing to scam you. Right, because yeah. it's 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 the bad guys giving you their phone number. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, you know. Next item on the list is know who you're buying from or selling to. So in other words, check the website's URL to make sure it's legitimate and secure. Mm-hmm. A site you're buying from should always have HTTPS in the web address. If it right. doesn't, don't enter your information on that site. And, and this is something true across the board. All legitimate websites should be secured at this point. This has been something that's been coming in over the last few years, and uh, definitely is something to look for. You also want to verify the legitimacy of a buyer or seller before moving forward with a purchase. This is uh, important. So what this applies to is if you're buying something off eBay, say, or the Amazon marketplace or many of these things exist. Look at the feedback rating. If it's really bad, avoid that seller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, you know, and I've had disappointing things uh, from stuff that was uh, supposed to be here in the U.S. supplied by here in the U.S. and then it turns out it's coming from China, and there's no way to really return it. Those things can be really heartbreakers. Yeah, and so they, they be cause careful a huge about problem, that. and it just and it does, you know. Um, the other one is to be careful how you pay, and this is something we've certainly talked about in the past. Number one and foremost, never wire money directly to a seller, and this is pretty much under any circumstances. So if they want you to go do a money gram or something, you don't want to do that. And the other thing of it is, is to avoid paying for items with prepaid gift cards. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, if you're buying something from Amazon or Best Buy or whatever, and you use their gift card to buy from their site, that's fine. But you know, a lot of times what will happen is you'll have a seller go, well, go get a green dot card or a whatever card, an Apple gift card, you know, whatever, and then give me the number and the pin code. And then what they do is uh, they take your money off of the card never sends you what you ordered, you have no recourse to be able to get it back. Exactly. So there's no proof that you purchased something from them because you used that card. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. No reputable company would ever ask you to pay using someone else's gift card. That's just not something that that would happen. If that ever happens, that's a huge red flag. And the reality is, is how do you pay online and what's secure? If you go to Amazon and use an Amazon gift card, that's fine, like we just said. The other thing I recommend is when you shop online, use a credit card. Don't use a debit card. And the reason for that is if the number of your card gets out somehow and gets stolen, it's not going to clean out your checking account or right. a debit card would. You know, you're going to lose whatever's in there. Yeah. And then there's banks that can set up a card that has like a low ceiling. So if it does uh, get captured you know, by bad guys, then it's not going to be such a large amount. Right, exactly. It can only go up to that ceiling. And again, on a credit card, you're going to have the inconvenience of not being able to use the card, but they're generally faster to recover. And the other side of it is, is you're not actually getting your actual cash money account hit, which is very easy to do when you use something like a debit card. 
you know, monitoring the transaction, just making sure if something feels wrong, don't do it. The other thing is to monitor the shipping process. Always get your tracking number. Make sure the item's actually being sent, even due to errors. I've had problems with that on sites like Amazon, so you have to watch for it. And the biggest thing at the end of the day is to remember the old saying, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Just exercise prudence and watch what you do. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. I can't believe Thanksgiving's coming up this week. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you guys ready? It's just like, what happened? Um, I, I actually went through Sprouts and ordered a turkey. Yeah. Because they kept saying, oh, there's not going to be any. So I thought, okay, I've never done this before. So I will give this a try and uh, we shall see how it turns out. Yeah, I do that every year now when I host. And then, you know, tell everybody, I made this great meal. Because you can you can just order a turkey, but you can also oh. order a completely prepared feast. Okay, now, yeah. the, the, the turkey I'm getting, I need to fix it. Right. <laughs> you know, the stuff I'm getting is just warm it up. It includes a pie and mashed potatoes mm-hmm. and casseroles and all this stuff. And, of course, everybody that knows me that knows that I can't cook boiling water knows that I didn't make this. But I'm always, you know, given a smile at least. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, Make anyway. sure you get yourself a chef hat. You'll be fine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so the Larry Sharp interview today was interesting. You know, regulations and uh, social media, this is very much a big topic right across the board, whether you're technology or pop culture, it applies to both things. There's a lot of areas where, you know, we want to present what we do. Social media is a good way to do it. But it's also, as he was talking about, starting to really have its problems. And I don't think there's any starting to about it. It's been like that for a while. Yeah. Social media has been weird for quite a while now. You know, and uh, now he is a gentleman that ran for governor in New York in the last election. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a third party candidate. He took third place, which is actually pretty good for a third party candidate. Really, when you think about it, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, is somebody that obviously knows his topics very well. But I know this is an interest of his, and it was kind of something fun to be able to talk to him about. Because it's definitely something we get a lot of questions on, you know. Hey, the other thing that's coming up after Thanksgiving is we get to go to the Seattle Comic Con. I know. Emerald City. I'm just, uh, that's kind of come right up too. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's kind of like, there's a countdown. Right on. One more day. Right. One more day. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, I'm ready for it. I think we all are. And hopefully we'll see some of our listeners there. I uh, Mm-hmm. I know one of the things that's happening next year, too, with our show is we're going to start having some booths at some of these. Really? So, uh, well, I'll give you more details on that in January when we have it, but uh, it's through our new uh, podcast and, uh, thing, and it's a situation where we might actually get to meet you, which would be wonderful, you know, hands-on. Yeah, that'd be kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. So, kind of looking forward <laughs> to that. and uh, <laughs> They'll take one look at us and go, ah! and run away yeah, let's, well, let's we'll be in costume they'll never recognize us there yeah, there, there's that too you know <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, we're gonna have some fun next year and it's it's looking like we're gonna have a lot more of our in-person stuff january we've got the consumer electronics show we've got the dates confirmed now on fan expo which is three weeks later so we'll be able to do both cool and, um, yeah you know so that'll be really cool so we'll keep you up to date on that so well to everybody have a wonderful thanksgiving 
Next week's going to be a clip show. Check it out. And the week after that, we're going to be back with some new stuff. And until then, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.